All right, so I guess uh, this week I can't uh, ask who stole my sermon. Um, so since I'm the one of two people in the building, um, and Bruce isn't uh, anywhere near my pulpit. So but we'll just get right into it. We're continuing to look at some of the questions that Jesus asked, and, um, and the ones that still apply to us, uh, without having to be reworded, without having anything, that, that if, if Jesus came right here and said, I'm starting my ministry in 2020, uh, these are the questions I think that he would just ask the same way, uh, especially in 2020, I think, some of them. Uh, and... Uh, and, and, and we're in the second part of our, our uh, two-part uh, look at the concept of faith. Uh, last week, we looked at some questions that Jesus asked, uh, concepts that provide some basic structure for our topic of faith. Um, he, he asked, do you believe? Um, and we looked at some of the things surrounding that. Um, and we understand the expectations of faith, don't we? Uh, we know that God rewards. We looked at how God rewards kind of on a sliding scale. I'm like, wait, so why does this guy seem to have some faith? And he ended up failing, but this guy didn't. He admitted not having faith, and, and he got what he was asking for. And, uh, and we said, well, God ends. God cares more about where your faith is, is going than, than where it's been. So, uh, so we, we saw the problem then of doubt and doubt rising. Um, things happen and they, they challenge our faith. And uh, our faith is not a static thing. It, 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 it kind of has ups and downs. And we, we're going to look at some specifics then of, of how those doubts arise uh, this week. And we're going to go back briefly at least to the same event. But we're going to look at... A different account. Last week we were looking at uh, John primarily, um, and I want to go back now to uh, to Luke, Luke chapter eight, and verse twenty three, beginning. Uh, and so, some in some uh, different accounts, the, the questions are worded a little bit differently. I'm not sure which one is the right way to word it, but uh, but th- it pulls out a different different thought. John, uh, Luke chapter eight, verse twenty three. Uh, beginning, and we're going through verse uh, 26. Um, it says, As they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down the lake, and they were filled, they were filling with water, and they were in jeopardy, and they came to him, and they awoke him, saying, Master, we are perishing. And he arose and rebuked the winds and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But they said to him, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and, and marveled and said to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water to, to obey him. Excuse me, I was going through uh, verse 25, not 26. Uh, but, but we see that, that we looked at this story and, and we talked about how we are safe or safest in the, the ship with Christ. And we, we think that that's sometimes the place where we're the, 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 the most at danger. Uh, but uh, it, what I want to look at this question is it, it's worried, uh, worried, worded, excuse me, uh, just a little bit differently. Um, instead of asking, you know, why do you have no faith? Or why is your faith so little? We talked about little faith. Jesus asks the question, and in this account, Luke understood it as different. I don't know if just sometimes, uh, uh, it's really essentially the same question, but, but it's worded interestingly. And I, I want to look at this question. And he says, where is your faith. 
And that's a slightly different question. I mean, it's, it, it ends up the same place. So uh, I think it was the first year that we were here. I, I gave a, 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 it was in one of my sermons. I'm not even sure which one of the, the sermons it was, but uh, I think we were talking about being lost kind of in, in society and things like that and, and how the church gets lost. But, but I used the illustration of uh, losing Julian in Berlin twice. Um, and it was funny because uh, it was a little bit after that that I was uh, watching, I think it was a Jason Bourne movie, and I'm like, I lost, I lost Julian right there. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, um, and it, we, we look at misplaced faith. Where is your faith? And we, we say, it's been misplaced, right? And sometimes I think we look at losing our faith kind of like, like that, it's been misplaced. Where did you? Where did you? Where did it go? I I, I had my faith here a second ago, uh, and it's gone. Uh, oh, look, it's over there. Good thing that we put a red fleece on it this morning because uh, he's easy to spot in a crowd. If it, if I hadn't put a, a bright red fleece on my faith this morning, I might not know where it's at. So it's a good thing. That's kind of a little specific. That actually happened. Hey, there's a big group of people standing around my faith, and that that must be him. And we look at that, like, like my faith got lost. I, I don't know where it went. I had it. I just had it. And, and it's gone. Um, I hope I don't lose my faith near Checkpoint Charlie two days from now. Um, but, but, you know, people are going to start asking questions. Why do you keep on losing your faith? You know, you should, you should do something to keep your faith a little closer to you. But that's not necessarily just how faith comes and goes. Um, to misplace something, I mean, would it be a, a deliberate action? Now, how do you lose something deliberately? I've, I've lost something almost deliberately. And I think we probably all have lost something deliberately. Like, how can you lose something deliberately? Well, have you ever done this? I'm going to put this where I know I'll find it. Like, I, 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 I'm deathly afraid of losing this particular thing. It's really important. It's an important key or, or whatever it is. So instead of putting it where I usually put it, I'm going to make sure I'll put it where I know it's at. And then it's gone. Oh, it's gone. And by the time you need it, right, it just, it's, you've looked and looked and looked. It's not there. And then when you find it, you no longer have the need for it. You're like three years later, you're like, I wonder what this key goes. I think that was the key I was looking for. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but I, I deliberately put it where I would never lose it. And, and we place our faith in things. And I, I wonder if this is Jesus not asking a rhetorical question, where is your faith? But if he's saying, where is your faith? Let's go through this right now and figure out what you placed your trust in other than me. Because if you... If you Place your trust in a false source. You're not going to have it when you need it. You're not going to have it where you need it. So I want to, we're going to go through and identify a couple things about misplaced faith this morning. Matthew chapter 6. And beginning in verse 25, 
Matthew 6.25, and going through verse 34. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they are? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his height? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was in arrayed like one of these. So now if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow it's thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Remember we talked about little faith? Not a compliment. Once again, so therefore do not worry saying what shall we wear or what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Boy, there's some interesting things in this passage I want to bring up. First of all, I want to talk about anxiety. Now, we talked about fear last week. and <clears throat> Excuse me. Anxiety is a type of fear, but, it, but it's not the type of fear we were talking about last week. We talked about, uh, and even in this first event uh, that we're, we're drawing from, uh, where, where there's a sudden moment where, where, where Peter's doing good and then he's not doing good. And he has this tragic, I'm going to drown feel. That, that's, that's not anxiety. He's not suffering from anxiety. He's suffering from an immediate uh, moment of panic. Anxiety is a little bit different. It's a type of fear, but uh, it's not situational in, in, in that sense. It's a building it's a dread. It has a pit of a stomach in your stomach. And, and you, you can kind of feel it, and then it gets stronger. And, uh, right? and you get your mind on some sort of unnamed dread or named dread, whatever it is. And so I want to talk about what this has to do with misplaced faith. See, anxiety is what happens when... Preconceptions don't materialize, right? I thought this was going to happen. It's not happening. Or when things go according to our plan, things is fine. And then, and then when it looks like it's not going to go according to plan, right? You, a, a thing at work, it can be anything. That's okay. But when it starts to not go my way, then I get this dread: what's going to happen? I'm unsettled. <clears throat> it's what happens when the methods that I trust don't get the results that I want. And so dread builds as God allows circumstances to change that I don't have the power to overcome. See, anxiety is about control. And, and, and that realization, it's really about the realization that I don't have control. See, as long as I have the illusion of control, I'm wonderful. I'm fine. But as soon as I lose the illusion of control, then I'm not fine. And, and that, 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 that uneasiness, that, that, we can't deal with that. And it, it, 
it messes with us emotionally. And this week, I think all of us have run a range of emotions. And, and this is the thing. I can say this this week. This has no, this has no bearing on, on, on your perspective. I, I know that people watching this are from all different perspectives. And you either ran this range of emotions Tuesday night or you ran it Wednesday night. And, and if you started with one set on Tuesday night, then you got to feel what the other side was feeling Wednesday morning. Right? So we've all felt the same range of emotions. You might have run through them backwards and sideways and who knows, all at the same time. I, I, I don't know. And, and God, in this chapter, is explaining to us why we run this range of emotions on any topic. This is why I say, I think if God started his ministry this week, and maybe this is what he would have done first, I don't know, and asked this question first. But Jesus mentions some common sources of anxiety that I think are connected to the range of emotions that we've experienced this week. He talks about life's necessities. Oh, the things that you, or your food and your clothing and your shelter, right? all the, the, the basic things of life. Right? Well, why shouldn't I be anxious about that? Now understand, Jesus didn't say make provision, make no provisions for it. He just said don't worry about it. And that was the difference. Look at verse, verse 29. Let me go back page here. Uh, so verse, verse 29. He says, Yet I say to you that even in Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And he, he draws the connection to wealth. The glory of Solomon. And for all of Solomon's wealth, no one was out there taking pictures of Solomon. Wow, he's on the cover of all these magazines, how, how beautiful Solomon is. But, but I mean, just think of, I mean, my, my mother is a, a bird watcher. She, all this, we have this bird in our garden this week, and this, right? And, and, and there's societies, there's bird watching societies. How beautiful they are, and, and how amazing. And he, they didn't do anything for it. God just took care of them. And so much of us, we trust our financial security and the, the wealth, and we're hoping for wealth. And so we, we place our trust here. I'm placing it there, and this is, this is where I'm controlling, because I'm going to be able to control things down the road, because I've been successful in my wealth. I'm not saying we can't save or do that, but when I place my trust there, it's misplaced. And at some point, it's going to become obvious that it's lost. I lost my faith. Well, where did you place it? Well, I placed it in wealth. Well, then it's lost. And then at a moment in time where you might need your faith for something real, you've placed it in wealth, and wealth is not going to be able to answer your problems. And there's people that are worried this week because they are concerned about what will happen to their wealth. 
And that's why the anxiety. Because they've placed it in wealth and they're concerned that things going on are going to affect that. Verse 34 has another one. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. A lot of people are worried and anxious over the future. We like to know what the future holds. And as I said, we, we, we make our plans. I have my plans. They're not going the way I want them to. They're not going the way I thought they were going to a week ago. Oh no. And see, trust in the future is, is, is pointless. And he brings that out. You, you're worrying about something you have no control over. See, trust in the future comes down to trust in a couple of things. First of all, it's trust in yourself. I, I trust the future because I've made these plans. And in making my plans, I assume that I have the ability to determine the outcome of the future. That's pretty arrogant of me. And think about it. Abraham Lincoln had this statement. <clears throat> he made this statement. He was a lawyer. And he made the statement that he who represents himself as a lawyer has a fool for a client. I'm, I'm trusting myself to determine my own future. I have a fool for a client. Why would you let yourself represent yourself in the future? You don't know what future you is going to do. You don't know if future you has the ability to do anything. That's a, that's a foolish place to put your trust. So if I, if I placed, myself, uh, placed my trust in myself in the future, I've misplaced it. I'm not necessarily going to have the ability to do anything. And so I'm not necessarily going to be able to rescue myself. But sometimes <clears throat> the future trust that we have is, is because we have trusted somebody or somebody's. If, if this thing happens, these people will save me, they'll rescue me. And we place our trust in, in people. It doesn't have to be politically. Some people put their trust in, in, in religious people. Have you ever seen a, a, a preacher or somebody leave and there's a, a little mass exodus behind them when they leave? I mean, they might have just moved. I mean, they've retired and they moved. And this week it's like, didn't only, you know, didn't only the preacher and his wife retire and move? Why are we missing five families? What happened? There was a, there was a trust issue. Someone had, had been coming and, and been a part of a group, but they had placed their trust in a person. And we do that with all sorts of people. And, and if I've placed my trust in people, I've misplaced my trust. Because people fail us, they do. Even, even trying to do their best, they sometimes fail us. Now, last week I concluded my message by talking about how uh, if you have questions and you're trying, you know, struggling with your faith, we, 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 there are people 
in our, our group that are willing and want to talk with you and want to help you. And, and it was like, well, what are you saying now? Are you disagreeing? No, no, no. I'm not saying that we're not here to help each other, but I'm saying if I'm the final authority and the fate of your faith rests in me, you're going to be disappointed. And so we end up handing over charge over our emotional state and our mental state and our spiritual health to other people. And when things don't go the way we want, we get that pit in our stomach. And now I've got anxiety. And I don't know what's there. It's hard to place. Anxiety is really hard to place. You start going through, why am I feeling this? And we start to try to think rationally, but it's an emotional thing. And God says, where is your faith? Let's back up, identify where it's at, and then we can get rid of the anxiety. It doesn't even have to be, you know, faith in somebody doesn't even have to be in somebody living. I knew a guy a long time ago, I assume he's probably passed away now. He was an older guy. Um, and and uh, we would talk, uh, the, the preacher of the church where I was, and, and, and I would, would talk with them and have these religious conversations. He'd come to the Bible studies. We had, we had a midweek Bible study out of, out of town at somebody's house. And, and he'd come, and everything that, that we said had to get passed through the lens of a, of a writer. I've never read his, his books. I assume he's a really intelligent guy by the name of Soren Kierkegaard. And it's a philosopher, a Christian-y philosopher guy. And, and uh, like Soren Kierkegaard was like one of the books of his Bible. It's like, Soren Kierkegaard is going to fail you at some point. C.S. Lewis is going to fail you at some point. If your trust is in them. They were just men. Smart men. Gifted men. But men. And so we, we, we have this anxiety and, and people start trusting all these things to, to try to, to deal with their anxiety when the problem isn't dealing with the anxiety. The problem is finding out where the trust has been placed. And when we deal with where the trust has been placed, we will deal with the anxiety. I'm not a doctor. I suppose there's medical anxiety that, that, that is, that's not the answer to, but I'm, I'm telling you that this is how Jesus dealt with anxiety. This is when Jesus is talking about worry. He's talking about being anxious, and he's saying, where is your faith? We, this, is this verse in here, as we, we deal with this, and when we look at the solutions because I, I don't want to just talk about the, the misplaced faith, but I want to deal with the solutions as we go through this. People get caught up into all sorts of solutions. And what I say might, might be offensive or, or might not be. Hopefully it's not. Yoga is wonderful for your back. But it will not deliver peace. Essential oils do wonders, 
especially if you have seven puppies who make a lot of smell in your house. They are wonderful at covering that odor, but they will not bring you contentment. And they will not bring you tranquility. People look at all these sources and they're, they're looking for things to, to try to foster peace. And they, they're dealing with anxiety. What do we do to deal with anxiety? And they, 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 people resort to all sorts of things to try to mask and cover. Right? It's like covering the odor of seven puppies. That's wonderful. And people will try to cover and mask the anxiety and the pain. But they're not dealing with the issue that comes in anxiety. And so Jesus, in this passage, gives us some, not necessarily all, but some of the things that I think are important to begin in. Because don't do it just seems a little too easy, right? He says, do not worry about it. Well, that's a little too easy. Don't do it. <clears throat> he doesn't end there. If, uh, if, if that ended there, then I suppose that we just have to deal with it. But he doesn't end there. But how, I, how do I control emotions? They, they seem to be controlling me, this anxiety. I don't want it. I didn't ask for it. And yet there's this pit in my stomach and it grows and... Sometimes it's, it, it seems like it's going to overwhelm you and you don't know what to do with it. Well, it has to do with how I think. And I'm going to have to change some things. And, and here's the deal. Is that in changing the way you think, it's not going to immediately get rid of it. If you've dealt with anxiety or dealing with anxiety, and you start saying things... It's kind of like a, just talking with the... Somebody about the seven, you're the four stages of grief, and you start, you go through the denial, right? And then there's anger, uh, there's, I think the third one is rationalization, and then, and then acceptance, right? People start rationalizing, and then they haven't gotten rid of the anxiety. They're, they're in the process of rationalizing and <clears throat> processing it. Acceptance will come, and that's when the anxiety leaves, so it's a process. So verse 28, consider, see that word, consider, rationalization, this is where God jumps, he jumps right past anger, <laughs> he goes, consider, meditate on, this is not something that you're going to put a, a little verse uh, uh, and, and, and just uh, put that somewhere and you're going to look at it once and you're going to go, okay, it's all better now. You're going to have to mentally think about and put your mind on something else. In the moment, it's, it's that, and that, that's difficult to change the emotion. Okay, I don't feel anxious. Take some deep breaths. Okay, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to hang on to consciousness here, but you're going to have to consider. You're going to have to change the way you think. You know what? Why do I have the anxiety? Because I've built up maybe a lifetime of preconceived ideas. And I'm not going to accept a fact today 
and it's going to be all wonderful. Maybe I've just been thinking something for a particular period of time. Whatever the period of time is, it's going to take an equal and opposite action to undo that. It's going to take time to consider some things. So he says, consider. Look at the birds of the air. Let's consider some things. Aren't you more valuable than they are? Aren't you more valuable than, than the birds? And God takes care of them. Think about what your value is to God. We, we, we think sometimes our anxiety is what it is. is because We think and we've developed this idea that we have to take care of ourselves because God's not going to. What happens if this and what happens if that? Well, where is your faith? Did you not believe I was going to take care of you? I want to come back to that in just a second. But verse 33, we've read this and we've memorized this. And there's more to this verse than I think we imagine. And maybe more than we want. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And we read that and we go, ah, seek first the kingdom of God. We like that. Okay. And all these things will be added to you. And we go, all these things. And what are we thinking about when we think of all these things? We're right back where we were talking about wealth. What did he say? What things? Well, we have to read the context to see what things he's talking about are going to be added. Verse 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? And what shall we wear? When I seek God, those things are going to be added to me. He never promised anything beyond those. Never promised me a healthy 401k. He never promised me anything beyond those. Then those things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's a little bit of a standard change than what I was thinking here where he was going. Those, those, those contextual verses are a little bit important. Pursue a different life path. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek it. Look for it. Build your relationships on the kingdom. And so, so he interjects in here the idea of relationship. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. The idea of relationship. Build your things on a trust that's a kind of a family trust. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. We're going to cycle down around through these a couple of these. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. I've got the wrong 
passage here. Now I'm not sure where I was supposed to be. Um, there's a passage, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out. It's, I've obviously transposed a chapter here. But there's, there's, a, there's a point in, uh, in Jesus' ministry, and it's towards the end, where he was talking uh, with his disciples. He's getting ready to, to leave, and he says to them, he says, When I sent you out, I sent you out without any provisions. He says, Did you lack anything? He's like, today I'm going to send you out with some provisions. But I just want you to remember, when I sent you out, I, I told you not to take any money for your bags or, or any, uh, you know, anything extra. Don't take anything extra. Did you lack anything? And this is what I want to challenge you to do as we get ready to conclude. First of all, review things. This, I think, is a solution to our anxiety. Review things. Review situations in your past where you felt vulnerable. Did you lack anything? How did it turn out? Did you? Wow, suddenly something came from somewhere. You didn't expect it. A, a, a windfall income when you needed it. Or, or what happened? And God has always been there. Right in those moments when you're, you're oh, I was feeling nervous. And God's always catching you. Did you ever lack anything? And talked about considering and seeking, and there's a idea of family. I want you to go back as we conclude here. I think that maybe the point of of all of this, this anxiety, as we look at Christ's statement, "Where is your faith?" When you look at losing something. We all do the same thing. First of all, we panic, depending on the importance of it. And I'm like, okay, slow down, slow down. Grab a coffee or whatever, sit down and think. And we do what? We retrace our steps. First we're panicked, then our mind does, the, the adrenaline shoots and we, our mind focuses. Boom, focus. And we retrace our steps. Okay, where was my son? Ah, because I'm panicked and I don't know what to do. We're, we're helter-skelter. And then we go, okay, adrenaline. And where were we? Okay, before then, where were we? So somewhere between here and here is where we lost him. And, and, and that's what we do. We start retracing our steps and then we find him. So I want us to retrace our steps. That's your challenge as you... Deal with your range of emotions that you may or may not be dealing with right now. Or in the future. Or in the past, some different situation. Or maybe something right now, but completely unconnected to what most of the world is feeling anxiety about. And I want you to retrace your steps. I want you to go back to when you were a kid. Do you remember the anxiety that you have right now? I don't. I mean, I remember anxiety about being punished because you know, I knew I did something bad and I knew 
that, that the spanking was coming as soon as mom came home, you know, or, or whatever. But I, I feel, I remember the anxiety about summer being over and school was going to start. But I'm talking about the pit in your stomach kind of anxiety. Did you ever dread having what you needed? And I'm, I'm not being... I know that there are people that actually do deal with this in our world. And, and I'm, I don't want to try to minimize that. I know that there are people in, in desperate situations that do deal with not knowing where their next meal is going to come from. And I know there are homeless people. We work with a homeless ministry. I know that some anxieties are very real. But you... Where you're at, have you dealt with that? Maybe you have. I grew up, I didn't have, we didn't have a ton of wealth. We really didn't have any wealth. I wore hand-me-downs, and I suppose that's pretty normal for a lot of people. Especially those who were raised in the 70s when times weren't that great. I didn't know, really, what our financial situation was until I was older. I'm like, wow, we were really not doing too good. But I, I didn't worry about food. I just, I knew there was going to be food on the table. And why did I? I trust a mother. That's all I knew. I, I knew the trust of a mother. And, and in this passage, God says, trust your father. Retrace your steps to where the trust left. To where that feeling of security left. It left when we started trusting other things. So retrace your steps and that's where you're going to find your faith. Wherever you left it. And that's what Jesus is asking Peter. Where's your faith? Where, where, where did it go? Because you had it a second ago. Where did you put it? So I don't want to sound tone deaf. I know... Children just have more dread today. They, they have more access to information. I, I didn't have access to information. I didn't read the newspapers and, and you know, whatever. And that's, that was all the information we had. Uh, we didn't have a TV. I suppose that's a, that's a good thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't watch the news, and so I didn't, I didn't know a lot of stuff. I, I didn't know what, that I was supposed to be afraid of everything. Now our kids just have, they're bombarded all day long with information. And it makes them more, I think, afraid than, than they used to be. And so we remember our youth kind of probably mostly good. We trusted. And so as I close, I want you to retrace the steps to where something encroached on your feeling of security. Uh, to look at whatever it is that we've, we've talked about, and maybe it's something else. We've kind of gone over this briefly and, and generically. Are you trusting in your wealth? Are you trusting in your own abilities? Are you trusting in somebody else right now? Those people aren't going to make the world the way we want it. Um, this is a broken world. They're not going to fix it. And the only person that can fix this world is God. And he's not going to do it with the means that everybody's trusting anyway. He's going to do it when, when we confidently step out in faith with this message and bring it to our neighbors, convince some of them, 
and then they share it with their neighbors and convince some of them. That's where the world changes. That's where it's always changed. And that's the only solution. Uh, and so when we trust that, we will always have confidence in, in what God is doing. And when we have that confidence and we're seeking God, we will know that He's always going to take care of us. And in doing that, we should see that it eliminates any of the anxiety we have. And so I uh, thank you for, for um, being with us this morning. Um, and, and again, uh, just, as, just to echo what Bruce said, hopefully we are back to kind of our, our normal uh, services for, for those of you who want to be uh, in, in person. And, uh, and for those of you who are still forced to be at home, this will still be available to you. So, all right. Bye-bye.